that song makes me want to get a sports car. Hey, everybody. Welcome to After Action Report, your numbers recap show for all Schmodown matches to get you caught up on all the action. We are going to be breaking down all the matches from last week, including the pay-per-view. So your official spoiler alert for the pay-per-view. If you have not seen that yet, if you want to do that, still check out the Schmodownlive.com for original tickets or individual tickets or patreon.com slash schmodown for access to all the pay-per-views and all the other great perks. But without further ado, we are gonna jump into the match. I just didn't wanna do all these breakdowns alone, so I have got with me the lovely Miss Danny Joy and of course, Mr. Nat Vu, the best hair in the entire Call to Action crew. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing well, Meg. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm doing ah. great. We have a lot to talk about today. Absolutely, yes. So we have got some really great matches to break down today. So we are going to be looking at the Intergeekdom match between Amir Moses and Jesse Swift. And next we'll move into the Star Wars match with Sean Sullivan versus Marie Wilson. And the singles match of Marisol McKee versus Benny Mancuso. And, of course, our first versus pay-per-view, the number one contender singles match with Dan Merle against Jeff Snyder, the match that we realized has never happened and we finally got to see it. So, so cool to see that. Um, and kind of the theme for the episode today, the idea, was it worth it? Today we got to see some people that were drafted either very early. Uh, Amr Moses was number two overall draft pick this year and uh, Marie Wilson is the first of the Dragon Con players. Marisol McKee was part of the really big trade deal after free agency this past season. So the idea of we're getting to see these people in action and figure out, did these managers do the correct choice in drafting them or making all these trades? So without further ado, if you guys are ready, we are going to hop in to this first match here, which is Amaro Moses versus Jesse Swift from Usual Suspects and the Quirky Mercs. To start off, um, Moses is up two on Swift with nine to seven going into round two. When we get into the round two, uh, Moses defers to Swift to spin first, who spins away from Scar Star Trek, takes comic book movies, and Swift checks down to multiple choice once and misses two questions for a two for two point steal opportunities that are missed by Moses. With all that, uh, Swift still comes out with five out of 10 available points. Moses spins away from scores and soundtracks, takes Batman, checks down to multiple choice three times with Swift taking one of two one point steal opportunities, leaving Moses also with getting five out of 10 points. So it's now a one point game with Moses still up 14 to 13 going into round three where Swift must answer a question in order to avoid a TKO. He misses a two in mixed bag, but answers a three-pointer in swashbuckling adventure to bounce it back to Moses to answer his two and three-pointers in DC and Alien and Predator, respectively. This leaves Swift with a five-pointer in dystopian future and time travel, which he is unable to answer, and this gives Moses the victory with a final score of 19 to 16 where Amr Moses answered 14 of 19 questions for 74% accuracy and scored 63% of 30 available points. Jesse Swift answered 12 of 20 questions for 60% accuracy and scored 
of 33 available points. Now, something of note during this match was that uh, Jesse Swift ended up using two of his JTEs initially in that first round. Now, it worked out for him because he was able to answer both of those questions, keeping the point differential down to only two points versus four points going into that second round. But with the infusion of all these new categories, uh, I'll throw you first, Danny, and then Nat, do you guys think that we're going to be seeing more and more JTE rules being used in these first rounds because players are still getting used to the format of all these new categories? I do, yes. I think that uh, JTEs, you know, in the days of the old, the repeat strategy was a strategy to use as a way to either bid more time or to use as an intimidation factor. But I think now, especially with the digital era that we're in, um, they're utilizing these JTEs to make sure that they're getting these first round questions right. Because as as uh, surface level as some of the questions can be in round one, round one is very important. You cannot go very far behind uh, going into round two out of round one. So you have to take these questions seriously. And I think we are gonna see a little bit more JTEs come in in the first round. And I think we've already seen a lot of it this week also. So. Absolutely. Nat, did you have anything to add to that? Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely think this is, we're gonna be seeing more JT is using used during the first round, at least for right now. I feel like mm -hmm. before the inner geekdom question pool was very limited and now it's kind of expanded. So people have to, pre to, have to prepare for that more. And because of that, I think they're gonna need more time to think and ponder on, on the questions. So I definitely do think we're gonna be seeing people having a little bit more of a tougher time with uh, round one questions. Absolutely. So I think uh, on the question of, you know, was, uh, Sam Levine taking Amr Moses that second round or second draft pick, was that worth it? It appears that he's got a pretty good knowledge base to work off of. Uh, in the post-interview, he was a little, uh, Amaru said that he was a little disappointed in his performance, which means that he feels like he has more room to grow, which is awesome. Um, still having a 73% accuracy, that's uh, a pretty uh, acceptable for a rookie to come in. Uh, the average last year was 80% in intergeekdom. So we'll see what he does as we see him move on and hopefully be seeing him in tournaments and lots of other things as we move forward. But let's go ahead and move into the next match that we saw this week, which was Sean the St. Sullivan, big fan of this channel, and the Marvelous Marie Wilson. The first time that we are seeing one of these Dragon Con players come in and really starting to think about the questions, how are these guys going to adjust to the format? How are these ladies and how are these gentlemen gonna be able to handle the formatting of questions that the Schmodown has? So let's go ahead and break down what we saw her, these guys do in this first match. So Sean and Marie are tied at eight, going into round two, both missing the same two questions. So once we get into round two, Sean, as is the higher ranked player, defers to Marie, who takes Return of the Jedi on the first spin. Marie gives up a two-point steal to Sean, but still comes out with eight out of ten available points. Sean spins away from the Force Awakens and takes Attack of the Clones. Sean also ends up with eight out of ten points, giving Marie a one-point steal. So it is now a one-point game with uh, Sean Sullivan being up 18 to 19 going into round three. So Marie answers her two-pointer in Heroes, bounces it back to Sean to answer his two-pointer in 
The Clone Wars, Marie answers her third pointer in Revenge of the Sith, while Sean misses his three pointer in Who Said It and a five pointer in Villains, which does give Marie the win with a final score of 22 to 20. Sean Sullivan answers 14 of 19 questions for 74% accuracy and scored 61% of 33 available points, while Marie Wilson answered 15 out of 18 questions for 83% accuracy and scored 82% of 27 available points. So this one was interesting just from the standpoint of we saw them both miss those same two questions there in round one, which is was kind of a theme this this week. Um, we'll notice it as we go into a couple, the last two matches this week as well. But I was very impressed uh, watching Uri Wilson. She, when she heard that first question that she missed in round two, uh, she said an answer very confidently. And when she heard it was wrong, it, she looked very confused. Like she didn't understand the question or that the question was odd for her, um, but she recovered really well and stayed locked in um, really keeping that differential between potential points earned and accuracy very close, meaning that she is taking full advantage of the points that are available to her and answering those two questions in round three with the higher weight value definitely helped her cause in that. Um, was there anything that really stuck out to you guys in this match in particular about the kind of numbers you saw, the kind of performance we were seeing, what stood out to you guys? Uh, so for me, with Marie, we know the knowledge is there. We know mm -hmm. that she's done very well in the Dragon Con uh, uh, trivia uh, competitions. So it was just a matter of learning the game. And I think that she has a very good coach of the mm -hmm. game for her in Sam Levine. So I think I think that she did very well. There was nothing in here um, that seemed off game-wise. It, look, it looked like she understood the game. So um, I think getting that, that two-point steal in the first round did shake her up just a little bit. You did see it. She did kind of question the question. It did mm -hmm. seem like she was questioning the question just a tad bit. But I'm sorry. I just realized I was shaking my nails in front of this. Um, so, yeah. Uh, blah, blah. Was it worth it to get Marie on um, in the usual usual suspects? I think her accuracy shows that, yes, it was. She did very, very well inside of her first match inside of the Schmodown. Um, Sean also, I think, did pretty well and, uh, you know, kept up with the game. I think getting that steal was an important boost of confidence. Absolutely. And then just a bummer at the end with the mm -hmm. with the questions and the categories that he got for it. Those are who said it is a notoriously tough category inside of Star Wars. So that's that's pretty rough. And and it was so close. It was right there. Like it and that's gotta sting just a little bit. So that was that was pretty much bummer to see. But I also big props to the question writers for this match because I absolutely loved the questions in, in the first round, second round, the way that the questions were set up. I thought it was chef's kiss. Absolutely. Nat, anything really stand out to you otherwise? I mean, it's just so hard for me to judge the quality of the questions because I consider myself a Star Wars fan, a casual Star Wars fan, but I don't know any of these these questions. Like these are they're all so hard for me, so I, I can't really judge how impressive it is. It's all impressive to me. I think that uh, Marie Wilson definitely lived up to the hype of being a DragonCon player. I think, considering this is her first match, I do expect her to get better 
and that could spell trouble for whoever's champion. I think uh, Sean Sullivan, he, his accuracy and his point percentage hasn't really gone up that much, but I think that I always have more faith in people who are passionate about the snowdown. And Sean Sullivan's very much locked into the community, and I think he cares about the snowdown. So he, I do expect his numbers to rise. I think um, I said this on my segment on Call Live that I, I do expect Sean Sullivan to rack up some some wins this season because he he does he is has he has a losing record right now, and I think he's going to have much easier competition. Even though with Star Wars, Star Wars is never going to be easy per se. But I do expect big things for him in the future. Absolutely. And with uh, the tournament seasons there, we're being told is coming potentially two Star Wars tournaments is really going to be able to showcase a lot of these competitors. And so it'll really give them a chance to get some belts and some wins underneath of them and really show off more of what they can do than what we get to see in maybe one or two matches in a season. So really exciting to see how much more the Star Wars League is going to get uh, shown off this season. So let's go ahead and shift into out of the Intergeekdom and Star Wars divisions and move over into our first singles match, which we saw Marisol McKee versus Vinny the Ice Pick Mancuso. Uh, Marisol, again, part of that really big trade deal at the end of free agency. When we jump into this match, we see that Marisol and Vinny are tied at six. They both miss the same two questions. Again, recurring theme. And as we go into round two, Marisol, who is the higher ranked player, elects to spin first. She spins opponent's choice, and Vinny gives her Middle Earth. Uh, McKee does give up a two-point steal to Vinny, but comes out with six out of eight points. Vinny takes John Carpenter on the first of his spins. Checks down to multiple choice twice, gaining six out of eight available points. And with the two points still that he has, he is actually up by two at 14 to 12, going into round three, where Marisol ties the game with her two-pointer in comic book movies, bounces it back to Vinny, who misses a two-pointer in black cinema. Marisol and Vinny both answer their three-pointers in thriller and horror, respectively. Marisol answers a five-pointer in Will Smith to take the lead again, and forces Vinny to try and hit a five-pointer in spy movies, which he is unfortunately unable to do, and gives Marisol the win with a final score of 22-17, to 17, where Marisol McKee answered 12 of 15 questions for 80% accuracy and scored 82% of 27 available points. Vinny Mancuso answered 12 of 16 questions for 75% accuracy and scored 59% of 29 available points. Now, something I want to note just here on this graphic in particular is that you notice that Marisol has her potential points earned percentage as being higher than her accuracy, while Vinny has approximately 15% points difference by for his two numbers. This showcases that the value of those later round points can overcome misses in earlier rounds that can be the difference between a victory and a defeat in this league. Now, Given the fact that Marisol was given or ended up with opponent's choice, uh, Danny, I'll go to you first and then I'll go to Nat. First hand, like just first thoughts. If I asked you, do you think that spinners and opponent's choice will ultimately, is, it, is there a significant correlation between getting spinners or opponent's choice and winning or losing a match in singles? Danny, what's your thought? 
So just a rough answer of the question is a yes for me. But I also think that it's a loaded and a difficult question because with with this uh, match being a good example, because you would think that someone getting opponent's choice would affect them negatively in their gameplay. But that depends on their opponent, whether or not their opponent knows what to give them as their um, as their pick for the choice. And Marisol killed Middle Earth. She crushed it. She let go of two points. But that's a that's a, a 50-50 question that she got put in there. So it if it would have been like a like a character name or a plot question, could have Vinny stolen that answer? We don't know. It was a number question, which is, in my opinion, a pretty easy question to steal. That's nothing against Vinny. I think he very much showed up. But in regards to uh, this, with the uh, opponent's choice, you would think that it would. But then, and then she, she still was behind at the at the end of the round. But like you said, with the with the last few questions, it really does make a big difference. But normally, I would say that yeah, I think opponent's choice would would affect the outcome of a match, but sometimes man, you just don't know, I guess. Nat, what'd you think? What's your initial thought? Megs, I saw your post earlier today. <laughs> and honestly, the evidence is there. I just don't, I just can't bring myself to believe it because it doesn't make any sense. How I, I would expect it to affect matches a lot. Like clearly, I, I think if, if Marisol didn't spend opponent's choice, I think she would have had a higher point total. That's just me. I, it's, it's very surprising to me that it doesn't affect it more. Yeah, so what he's referring to is I uh, had a post I put on Twitter, I think, last night and then on uh, Facebook and other uh, places this morning. I looked at cases where you had spinners and opponents' choice in play in singles and teams' matches. And uh, unless you were talking about teams' tournaments with spinners' choice, there is no significant advantage or disadvantage. It was about a 50-50 split of whether you got spinners and or opponent's choice, whether you won or lost the match. It was pretty much straight down the middle for both scenarios in uh, singles. And then, like I said, in teams, it was a little bit more skewed because, and the part of the reasoning behind that is a, a round two is worth more points in a team's match than it is in a singles match. And we had this conversation, and there was a conversation going on over at Action Industries about this, where the idea that one question in round three in a singles match is worth almost more than half as much as your entire round two in a singles match, that can skew a match very, very much. So the idea that, yeah, you would think spinners, opponent's choice, that's a deal breaker for the game. It all depends on what happens in that third round, what you get on those third round categories that can. So it's not a guaranteed do or die situation if you get spinners or opponent's choice. You And there was actually a situation in a singles match where an opponent got spinner's choice and the other opponent had opponent's choice. And the one with opponent's choice actually won the match. I know. I feel like I know Crazy. what you're talking about. It uh, was Liz Shannon Miller versus Bibiani during the tournament last season. Okay. Wow. Which those two high caliber of, of players, that doesn't surprise me a ton. But the idea that, you know, and these, those numbers were all from season eight to now. It would be interesting. I'm going to try and see if I can look back or not season eight, um, season five. 
and back. I'm going to see if you go back in those earlier matches where you didn't see as many competitors really studying and preparing for the wheels, whether or not that does make a little bit bigger difference on the skew of spinners of opponent's choice. But that is another conversation for another day. <laughs> we are going to go ahead and move on to our last match of that we're going to look at today, which is the pay-per-view match. So again, final warning, if you don't want to know the outcome of that match, please click off now. Final warning, three, two, one. We are talking about the first versus with number one contender match, Danger Stan Merle versus the Snyder, Jeff Snyder. Again, cannot believe these two have not met in a singles match, but we finally got it. So how did this all play out? In round one, Merle is up one on Snyder with seven to six going into round two. Uh, Merle, since he's ahead, he defers to Snyder, who spins away from sports, takes mystery films, and he checks down to multiple choice twice for six out of eight points for Snyder. Merle, he spins away from wrestlers and films, but ends up with it on the second spin and checks down to multiple choice once for seven out of eight points to now be up by two points at 14 to 12 going into round three. And it is a back and forth with both of them hitting all of their two, three, and five-point categories. Snyder having fantasy sci-fi, crime, and 1990s. And Merle having directors, comedy, and Will Smith. And since Merle was up going into that round, this does give Merle the win with a total score of 24 to 22. Where Merle answered 14 of 15 questions for 93% accuracy and scored 89% of 27 available points. And Snyder answered 13 of 12 questions for 87% accuracy and scored 82% of 27 available points. Oh my word, this match was going to be a barn burner from the word go. Um, and especially with that first round question, uh, Going into two uses of a JTE back-to-back -back, uh, definitely was a surprise, I think, to a lot of us. And at the end of the day, this match came down to small errors and strategy, with Snyder missing that one extra question in round one, and Dan not checking down a multiple choice as many times in round two was what sealed it, because they were both able to get all three questions there in that final round. Uh, in this and the previous match, you will have noticed that there are is a shift in the makeup of round one to incorporate the new categories and is not a predictable pattern as we would have seen in last season. So my thought and my question there is, since we are seeing all these new categories getting incorporated into round one, are we gonna see less perfect rounds in round one with singles and when we finally get into teams? Um, Danny, what do you think? I think it'll be interesting to see uh, what what the categories we're going to get coming forward. I think for this match in particular, we got the usual suspects, uh, no pun intended, of round one categories where in the Vinny Mancuso and Muddy Soul match, you saw more of the newer categories in round mm -hmm. one. So I think, I think that it's really going to... It's going to be interesting to see how how they do this going forward. It's just going to be something that we see with the more like higher established players because this match was nuts. Like that accuracy rating is that just blows my brain. So 
I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I don't really know how to feel about that going forward. I think I'm. I'm just ready to see what what these round one categories are going to continue to be. Gosh. Now, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think similar to IG and my, my idea that there's going to be more JTs used. I think that there's going to be less perfect rounds and singles. I think when you add more variety of movies, there's going to be a greater chance of you not knowing the answer. So. I mean, if Dan Merle couldn't get a perfect round for one in this match, I think it's going to be hard for anyone to. Uh, the key to this match, I think, I think it's just Jeff got unlu unlucky with the spin on the wheel. I mean, he had to chuck down the, to multiple choice a couple times, and I think that's what cost him the match. Mm -hmm. uh, I would just say that Dan Merle spun wrestlers in film, and I knocked that category out of the park. If there's ever an exhibition match with wrestlers in film, I would, I would kill it, just saying. Well, I think, and also, too, it's a brand new category, so they're still staying pretty surface level with a lot of those questions. So seeing the all these newer categories on the wheel, it's going to be interesting to see what caliber of questions we're seeing on those. And also, too, with these newer categories in round one, we're not going to expect that the question writers are going to try and really stump these guys in round one. It's just going to be that the the way that they're asking questions may be a little bit different than what they're used to because it's a different way of looking at the same different movies because... I mean, Oscars movies, for instance, it's the same It's the same movie that you would get asked about, say, in a drama category, but you're looking at it from a different angle because it's an Oscars question. So it's just going to be really interesting to see what is going to be going on uh, as we move forward to how these different types of categories and the different types of questions we're going to be seeing in round one, yeah, how yeah, that's going to be affecting these guys. Yeah, just because they're, you know, this is the same group of categories that we've seen before, it doesn't mean that it's the same type of questions that we've seen right. before. We've seen it so far with with this first week that the first week that we got of the Schmodown. These questions are definitely on a different level. If you've been watching the Schmodown for quite some time, I think it's just one of those little like, hold on, someone changed a candle mm -hmm. here why does it smell different like there's something different i can't really tell what it is but there's something different and that's that's the questions and i think that that really goes to show uh with this week's matches absolutely so that is actually gonna wrap it up for this week but we are gonna be right back here next monday for pacific seven eastern go ahead and check out uh call live here on this channel if you want to have more in-depth talk about interviews the match play, all the cutscenes that we got, mm, all the wonderful cutscenes. Oh yes. um, and they're all of the other great content that we have here on this channel. Um, Danny, what kind of uh, content do we have going on uh, later on this evening? Well, uh, later on tonight, you can catch uh, myself, uh, Mr. Paul Denuzio, Billy Belford, and the sweet, lovely Kelsey Kirkland. We will be hanging out with uh, the stars manager, uh, Ms. Roxy Stryer. She, she is coming back to chill to action. So come and hang out with us at 8 PT, 10 CT, Central Time. The only time that matters is Central Time. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and we'll be hanging out with roxy talking about uh this late this last match this new season and a bunch of uh new things that we got going on for chill so check that out like Mike said you can also check out uh the past call live that we did this last saturday where we deep dove into these matches uh david campbell was our guest on that call live with myself and mr billy bell 
Crawford. Uh, we definitely did go into these matches. There's a few uh, conspiracy theories that we really broke down <laughs> in the from these cutscenes in, in these matches. Um, as you know, as team action fans uh, for this podcast, we were all very, very excited. Yes, we're all very, very excited about what's going on. All of these rumblings in the streets for uh, these cutscenes. So be on the lookout for our um, our small reactions and stuff like that. And you can also catch up with Nat's fantasy updates over there. So, and you can find yes. me on Twitter at DannyJoy, D-A-N-I-E-E-J-O-Y. Oh, and happy birthday, Manny, woo! Yeah, happy birthday, buddy. Nat, what do you got going on this week? Uh, Jeremiah Morris in the chat says, what, no Nat? Jeremiah, I am not on chill, but I am on no chill. So check that out. We have our second episode out. Brandon and Hannah, it's so funny. I bought, I, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's, it's really funny. You guys should check it out. Uh, and also, we're doing Twitch Tuesdays tomorrow, every, every Tuesday at 6 Pacific. And I don't know if we're still doing this because there's been talk about changing it. But uh, me and Danielle are going to compete in an office trivia match. Iron Man. <laughs> I am going to destroy. So tune in for that. All right. Um, one I more wanna- qu- I, yeah, I just want to address something really quickly. Ryan Kramer, Ryan Kramer yeah. in the chat asking about as the wheel turns. Um, I, I, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do with it, but with everything that we have going on, I feel like it's probably a good idea if I do something with it. So um, I think I will get something done. You know, if people want to see it, if anyone wants to definitely get into a show that gets into these storylines, I feel I feel pretty good about getting into all of that. So we shall see. But that's all for me. Sorry, Max. Absolutely. Also, yeah. No. Bring up something else real quick. We have a Patreon <laughs> right there. Patreon. Oh, there it is. Yes. Yeah. All yeah. the links for all those descriptions. Uh, big shout out to uh, David B for the great intro song. I uh, love that he got to do that for us. I'm super excited for that. Um, check out uh, Follow Call to Action and all of us on our socials that are listed below in the description, including our uh, patron. Patreon, uh, check in with that. A lot of really neat things that we've got going on there that we're developing over this next year, which we're super excited about. Uh, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to this channel and get notified for all the amazing things that we're going to be doing here all season long. It is going to be a busy, long season, but we are ready for it. I am super excited to deep dive into all these different numbers, but... Until next time, this has been the After Action Report, signing off.